Good morning, friends. Good morning. Welcome to Myers Park United Methodist Church, whether it be here in person or online, wherever you may be. Uh, you chose to be here with us. My name is one of Uyan uh, Kim, one of the pastors here. Uh, we especially welcome you if you're a first-time visitor or relatively new to our church. Here in just a little bit, uh, my friend and colleague, Pastor Nathan, is going to uh, show you how you can connect with us so that we may pray with you and for you. Today is the first Sunday after Pentecost, Trinity Sunday, and it is good that we are here together. Pastor Nathan, what else is going on? It's great that we are here together, Uyan, and knowing that being together really helps us grow and flourish and in our faith and our community being a presence of hope and love for those who are here in person please find that pew pad register um, your attendance with us and if you do need us to reach out to you please indicate so this is a great way that we just draw together those who are joining us online please find the online registration again it's another way we connect it's another way to grow together Cool thing that starts back next Sunday right outside here on the lawn. Um, we've done it for so many years at the Lemonade on the Lawn. It's a great way just to hang out, um, linger a little bit with us, connect with uh, new faces, old faces, enjoy a cup of lemonade, a nice little um, edible treat, and um, spend time. It's edible. That's yeah. the key word. Yeah. Edible is the key. Um, and a great cup of coffee. And just know that we are growing together. Um, with one another in that time. So let's continue to worship God.
us continue to praise God by affirming our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he arose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us unite our hearts and our voices as we offer our prayer of confession. Let us pray. Holy God, breathe new life into us. In spaces of idleness, inspire growth. In moments of doubt, may grace abound. In times of uncertainty, reassure us of your promise. May your love transform us, O Lord. Amen. Hear the good news that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love towards us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The epistle reading is 2 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning with the 11th verse. Finally, brethren, farewell. Mend your ways, heed my appeal. Agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. The gospel reading is from Matthew chapter 28, beginning with the 16th verse. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the close of the age. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. So today is Trinity Sunday. This is a day that we uh, reaffirm 
and rejoice in our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one. It's actually the, the question of the Trinitarian God is one of the key questions that we ask during what's called the Board of Ordain Ministry when the United Methodist Church interviews all the potential would-be pastors before they are uh, then given the credential to be a pastor in the United Methodist Church. It's a very important question. Uh, some folks are very clear on the mystery of Trinity. Some people are utterly confused about it, while others don't really care much about it at all. <laughs> but it is foundational and fundamental to our faith, our affirmation of the triune God. It seems so clear to us today, but this Trinity, triune God, this theology of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, weren't always so clear uh, most notably, what's known as the Arian Controversy from the early 4th century between two Christian theologians, Arius and Athanasians of Alexandria, Egypt. This controversy surrounded uh, on the topic of the substance of God the Father and the substance of Jesus the Son. It didn't get resolved until 381 in Council of Constantinople. Uh, often known as the most important of all Christian gatherings, right? Did you all learn this in seminary like I did? Yeah. <laughs> all that is to say, uh, all the things, so many of the things that we take for granted wasn't so clear some time ago. Uh, we think that we have specific conflicts and fights today. I can't imagine the veracity of arguments that was had over something as perennial and important as the Trinitarian God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, arguments, disagreements, controversies. Uh, Paul speaks to this throughout his letter to the church in Corinth. Matthew alludes to this toward the end of the gospel. Um, so I don't know if you noticed this, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, the reading that Peg read, and the reading from our Matthew chapter 28, uh, both of the readings are actually the very last words found in those respective books. Uh, to put it another way, this is how Paul ends his letter, and this is how Jesus ends Matthew uh, with his disciples. So let's start with let's start with Paul. If you read through the first and second Corinthians, uh, it begins like most letters, begins with a greeting and salutation. Hello, hope you're doing well. I pray for you, I weep for you. And especially in Corinthians, Paul really lays into these Christians. He then goes on to hear, I hear of all the problems that you're having, how you're not being so good and faithful, the divisions, the lack of accountability, playing favorites. I mean, he goes on and on and on all throughout the 13 chapters in 2 Corinthians. One of the New Testament scholars from Duke, Doug Campbell, he, uh, his life's work is on Paul's life and his theology, and he writes that in the church of Corinth, there are 15 distinct problems that they face as a church. And he writes that any one of those 15 problems could easily divide and splinter the early ancient church. And they had 15 of these problems. 
Much has been said about the dysfunctions of the church in the 21st century, more specifically, the divisions within the United Methodist Church. So here's the good news and bad news, okay? Bad news first. You ready? It's true. <laughs> we have problems. We have the church, and more specifically, the United Methodist Church, we have real problems. All right. We know it. Uh, here's the good news. I think it's good news. I mean, we, there's a real good news later, but I think this is kind of good news. Here's the good news. Uh, this is not a shocker to any of us. We've been dealing with problems since the very inception of the church for over two centuries, two, two millennia. We've been dealing with these problems. We know that they're there. We deal with it every day. We deal with it every week, do we not? Yeah. And in this way, we are not unlike any other families, including that of my own. Every family has problems. Here at United Methodist Church, here at Myers Park UMC, it's a family of over 5,300 members. In the global United Methodist Church worldwide, there are over 9 million members. It's a big family. It's hard to agree. We have problems. So in this way, I got to, I don't know, it's, maybe it's just me. In this way, Paul provides a weird kind of comfort for me throughout his letters to the Corinth church. In many ways, Paul is saying that we didn't, we, the church in the 21st century, we didn't invent what's called congregational conflict. It's been there. It's been there from the very beginning. So, for 13 chapters on in 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about all the things that are going awry, the things that are not going well, the challenge of the ancient Christian church. So how does he then finally end his letter? Does he end with a rebuke? Does he end with a challenge? Does he finally drive in the nail with this so-called the problem church of Corinth? This is what he writes. This is how he ends the letter. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Does that sound familiar? That's our benediction. That's our benediction. Paul does not end his letter with admonitions, but instead Paul ends his letter with a call for peace. Paul ends his letter reminding God's people, Christians in Corinth, Christians here in this very space, Christians in the United Methodist Church in the 21st century, Paul reminds us of the loving presence of God and the peace of Jesus Christ that's everlasting. Paul reminds the ancient church and us that God will not leave us to our own devices, that God is always with us, especially in times of our trials and tribulations. We are not alone to journey in this life as a church. Beverly Gaventa, she's a New Testament professor at Princeton. She asserts that for Paul, the relationship among believers has a Christological warrant it is based directly on God's action in Jesus Christ. Believers do not belong to themselves. Believers belong to God. 
as much as we love each other, as we gather to worship and serve and to witness what makes the church, what makes you and me sustainable in the life of the Christian church is nothing less than Jesus the Christ, God's love, Christ's peace. So we got divisions within the church in the 21st century. We had the spectacular Arian controversy in the early 4th century. Paul writes in abundance the problems of the ancient Christian church, first generation, second generation churches. And you rewind the tape a little bit and you find Matthew and how Matthew ends in chapter 28. Uh, the disciples, there are 11 of them. They've not elected the replacement for Judas yet, so there are 11 of them are gathered in Galilee as they were instructed by Jesus. Remember that this is post-resurrection, uh, we read that they, the disciples, upon gathering, as they were instructed, they worshipped him, but, did you catch this? They worshipped him, but some doubted. Does that strike you as odd? Some doubted. It occurred to me this past week as I was praying and reflecting on Matthew chapter 28 that uh, uh, here's what we do know about some doubted. We know that it wasn't one, because I'm pretty sure if it was one, perhaps Matthew would have written one doubted. And we know it wasn't all. So it could have been two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Some. What if the sum was the majority? What if the sum was six, seven, eight, nine, or even ten? Some doubted? After all that they've gone through over three years? All the serving, healing, acts of mercy, acts of grace, acts of forgiveness, breaking bread together, eating together, spending every moment of the day together. After the life, ministry, crucifixion, death, and resurrection of Jesus, some doubted. How dare they? Some doubted? I wonder what Jesus felt. I wonder what Jesus felt. In Star Wars, Episode 4, <laughs> A New Hope, there's a scene uh, with one of the uh, Empire's admiral and Darth Vader. The, the admiral is going on and on, sneering and raising doubts about the old ways of the Jedi. And Darth Vader responds with one of the greatest lines in cinematic history. I find your lack of faith disturbing. When James Earl Jones says it, it's a lot more menacing. <laughs> Unlike Vader, Jesus does not respond to his disciples' doubt with punishment. Jesus does not belittle them. How does Jesus respond? These are his last words. He says, remember, I am always with you to the ends of the earth. What does Jesus say in the midst of his disciples' doubts after all that he has done and gone through, after what they've done together and gone through, upon knowing the doubts that is in the hearts of some of the disciples, some of us, Jesus says, remember, I am with you always to the end of the earth. Being a beloved community, perhaps being the church, 
is not agreeing on one thing or a few things or all things, but being the church is about following Jesus despite the disputes, disagreements, and divisions. And the response to doubt, antidote to doubt, perhaps is not more knowledge, but rather trusting in the everlasting presence of God, especially in moments of our doubts. Perhaps when Jesus says, go, go, make disciples of all nations, perhaps Jesus is saying, make disciples, you are able to make disciples, not when your doubts are all answered, but rather, you actually make disciples in the midst of your doubts. I'm not always certain. I'm sure you're not either. But I am certain that Jesus is with us, that God is here. That's the coolest part of it all. We don't have to wait for God to be present with us. God is already here. So here's another marks of discipleship. Trusting in the presence of God, especially in the midst of our doubts. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us go to God in prayer. Creator God, Holy One, maker of love and source of joy, we give you thanks for the infinite variety of your creation. We bless you that we are fearfully and wonderfully made and that everyone is your beloved. Lord, in your mercy, Compassionate God, we seek your mercy today, right now, this very hour, for the times there where we have not loved, interacted, cared, or included our fellow sister and brother as we ought. More so, we confess that we have chosen paths of least resistance. We have become silent and complacent and acceptors of the status quo. We pray that our eyes would see as yours do, that our hearts would soften as yours is, that we may truly be a people of inclusion and welcome personally and as a church with and for the most vulnerable. Lord, in your mercy. God, we pray for vulnerable communities that have been violated by violence, for our neighbors struggling for food, shelter, and dignity, and for our efforts to be loving neighbors and steadfast friends who walk with and beside them. Lord, in your mercy. Merciful God, this morning many people grieve, so especially we pray today for the family of Michael Berry as they mourn his death and celebrate his life. We also lift to you the family of Muffin Dalton Grant as they mourn her death and celebrate her life. God, there are many mourning. There are many struggling with sickness, anxiety, marital turmoil, loss of friends and family due to small to large disagreements. We know you, God. We know that you alone, God, can move in holy and healing ways. 
So we pray for your healing and reconciling presence to be known in these situations and with these persons. Lord, in your mercy. God, empower us to walk in the way of love, to welcome the excluded and care for the vulnerable, to work for justice and rejoice in the spirit of life that Jesus calls us to lead. We ask all of this in Jesus' holy name, who taught us to pray as one family, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And church family, as we continue this time of worship, we like to celebrate our robust young adult ministries that continue to grow and continue to impact so many within our church and beyond the walls of our church. So we thank you for your generous giving.
Generous God, what a joy it is to give back unto you so that we as a church will continue to make way into our community, walking with and beside the most vulnerable. In this we give thanks. Amen. the everlasting presence of our God be always be greater than the sum of our doubts. Now may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of our God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. <laughs> 